Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. Tonight on the podcast, I've got a special guest from the Gold Coast, Greg Fox, one of uh, the Gold Coast's most successful basketball products. NBL player with the Bullets and then the Gold Coast Rollers and had a stint over at USA College as well. So welcome, Greg. Great to be here. How are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, Good to have you on. Catching up with an old state teammate tonight. We'll be able to chew the fat about that a little bit uh, and talk about, you know, what it was like back then, uh, back in the 80s. I usually sort of start on the podcast just with when did you get involved in basketball? Obviously, you you got in from a fairly young age, as I recall. I had. um, Down on the Gold Coast, there wasn't much of a a junior comp uh, at that time, it it was really um, out of Southport Stadium with uh, Harold Peacock and and my dad Rod Fox, and there hadn't been any consistent junior competition, so they decided to to make one during the mid seventies, and uh, the rest is history. But um, as we all know, Harold was a bit of a mover and shaker in basketball, and you know, success seemed to follow him. Yeah. So what was his role down there? Was he like a president of the association or something like that? He was. uh, He was the president of Gold Coast Amateur Basketball Association. And then he was also, I think, on the board of Queensland Basketball at one time or another. And then he was on the board of Basketball Australia. Um, uh, But as a sidetrack to that, he brought my dad over to basketball from Southport, Australian Rules Club because right. they played together in the senior men yep. in the early 60s and so Harold was already involved in basketball and he brought uh, dad over and um, you know my dad started to pick up a few things about coaching and uh, obviously they used to play a bit as well and then from there the junior basketball become a bit of a focus on the Gold Coast. Yeah, and so what always started off out there at Southport, sort of stayed there for a fair while? Yeah, the basketball was there from about 59 till about 86, and then, as you would remember, it moved out to Carrara Stadium yep. uh, in the early days, you know, of the, um, uh, you know, when the AFL had... Uh, come to Queensland with the Bears, we moved out there with our state league men's team and then the competition flourished because they had multiple courts. Oh, right. And I mean, the facilities down at uh, Gold Coast now are just fantastic, you know, after the investment for the Commonwealth Games. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit because I'm keen to ask you about some of that. But so back in your junior days, obviously Gold Coast Junior played at the state level back in under 16s and under 18. So who were some of the coaches you had back then and what sort of influence did they have in terms of pointing you towards a, a basketball career? Well, I was pretty fortunate to get my start at Southport with people like Harold because he had that network of coaches. You know, I can remember being at the stadium and having uh, people like Vince Hickey come in just 
to come down on a Saturday and teach skills. Um, uh, as I progressed up and, and started playing for the representative teams, we participated in the zones in those days, as you would recall, yeah. being a North Queensland <laughs> product. And, you know, we were in in the South Queensland zone with Ipswich and uh, Toowoomba. And then as I progressed, um, you know, into under-18s, I was very, very lucky to have, you know, coaches such as uh, Peter Pendle and Bob Young who were, you know, icons of the game in, in, in Brisbane and were very, you know, to be to be honest, they were real sticklers for fundamentals and teaching the game, uh, you know, with uh, having their players learn proper technique and being, you know, being across all the skills of, of the game. So that was a bit of a springboard for me you know, to move on to the next level. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with you. Like both uh, Peter Pendle and Bob Young um, coached us there, and under 18s and and myself in under twenties too. And like, um, yeah, very big focus on the detail and, and and playing the game right or the proper way. And certainly that influenced uh, you know what I did in terms of my coaching. Well, it 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 is like once you see. Um you know, the finer details of being able to teach uh, fundamentals, then, you know, you have that knowledge and to be able to pass that on. You know, sometimes we tend to take that for granted that everybody's, you know, being uh, had that great foundation yep. laid for them as, as, as players. And, you know, with people like... Um, Bob Young and, and, and Peter Pendle and the Mark Braggs, et cetera, you know, you were really learning the game from people that had a pretty expansive lineage with coaching. Yeah, for sure. You went over to the States and got a scholarship. Um, and, and I was trying to Google this, but couldn't find a lot on it. So I'm going to have to, uh, how did it come about? So over to North Carolina. Well, I was... Um, once again, I was pretty fortunate. Like this was at a time when there wasn't a lot of that sort of thing happening with, you know, um, up and coming sort of 18 year olds here in Queensland. There wasn't many players making that transition to US colleges. I'm not sure if I was the first, but from Queensland, but, um, you know, there, there hadn't been many before me. I, I, w- I was pretty fortunate. I, in my second year of the of what was the State League, we had Tom Wisman come to the Gold Coast to coach. Yeah. And Tom had a number of, of uh, contacts within the US. I had originally signed at a Division One school, which was the University of South Alabama, but the deal or the, or the scholarship fell apart at the last minute with a coaching change. So fortunately, I was able to find another school in a short period of time. That was Atlantic Christian College in North Carolina. And that was a pretty strong program prior to me being there. Yeah. They'd been to the um, NAIA National Championships in Kansas City the two previous years, but they had just gone through a coaching change. It also... The program was really in transition, and to be honest, um, the, the, at that stage, the men's basketball program probably lacked a, a, a little bit in the resourcing 
of the program. So I, I struggled a bit and I didn't necessarily enjoy it. I was there for a year and a year and a half. Um, but it just probably wasn't working out to develop my basketball where I could, if I stayed, I might have really struggled to take that next step into a higher level of competition like the NBL. So I had to make that decision that I was going to leave, Um, which, you know, you never want to do because you've, you've, um, you've already been there for, a year and a half, and so you're not sure about whether your decision's going to work out. Yeah, uh, fortunately, uh, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did um, who did you you know like have talked to about that sort of thing back then? Obviously, it's a long way from home back there in the in the 80s. You know, like when you're trying to make those sort of decisions. And well, 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 it is. I mean, it's a different world now. Players, you know, and I've helped a lot of players over the years um, go to college in the US and worked with them and and, and um, provided that sort of information so they can make good decisions. Uh, back then, it was a lot more difficult. You know, this is of, for, for, for our younger listeners, this is before, <laughs> you know, emails and phone, mobile phones. And, you know, this was in the time of... Uh, phone calls to the US costing $3 a minute and everything else coming essentially via snail mail. So um, it was was really a process back in those times where you needed a bit of luck to find yourself at the right college or university. Yeah. But um, I, I guess, you know, to to sort of segue that into, you know, where I ended up after, uh, towards the end of 1988, you know, I was lucky to already have a bit of a relationship with Brian Curl, yeah. who was having extraordinary success at the Bullets in those years. Uh, you know, I was pretty close to Simon. We had been at Southport State High together. All right. Uh, for 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 uh, a little bit of time when they were living on the Gold Coast, and um, Larry Sensot was always was also teaching there as yep. uh, as a bit of information. But um, yeah, so Brian, I reached out to Brian, and and he um, took me on as a part of the Bullets squad uh, yep. on a on a on a tour to the US. Right. At the end of '88, and yep. so I was able to be part of their program leading into the '89 season. Oh, okay. And did they have? Was that sort of set up as like a development player situation, or just basically, you know, young guy in the squad? Yeah, um, we in those days they really pretty much just had their team or all yep. or, or squad of 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 twelve. They were running it pretty lean um, and so I was essentially able to get a contract to be one of those 12 players I mean it was it was a team at that stage it was sort of you know it had some pretty successful years won mm. championships and you know massive names you know with the Senstocks and the John Dorges and Ron Radless and of course you know Leroy and um, 
So I was pretty fortunate to actually have a year playing with those guys. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, gain that experience of being around probably, um, you know, those, those, were, those players were big names in Brisbane at that particular time, not just in basketball, but yeah. in the sports landscape. Yeah. And what sort of things did you, did you learn off guys? Like, uh, so I was, I'm, I'm sort of thinking maybe you probably spent a bit of time with Ron and, and other guys who were, you know, in that guard sort of spot. So what sort of things do, well, you, do I, you recall? Yeah, that, well, when I, oh, without a doubt, you know, they all had a lot of things to uh, show me as yeah. a young and up-and-coming player, you know, playing the the one spot or even trying to move over and play the two spot. I think the first year I was in Brisbane, we had Darren Perry, um, who was sort of the incumbent point guard, and then Ron Radliff, and then we added in Greg Gidding. So that's a pretty uh, great lineup of of guards, you know, to learn and train against every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we had we we had some extraordinary depth in '89. And did you guys uh, win during that time when you were playing with the Bullets? We we from '89 the roster turned over quite a bit, um, yeah. and then we moved into the um, Rucker and the Andre Moore era. Right. With you know retaining Robert Sibley, and we had a lot of success in 1990. Yep. And we made the final. We just fell short in the final game All against right. Perth, yep. who were a pretty strong team. They they probably underachieved all, all year, and they were a big team and highly talented, and they put it together in the finals and were just too much for us with their depth. Yeah. Um, you know, with the James Crawfords and the Pinders um, they, and Ricky Grace, they were... They were very, very good team. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, Brian got uh, Brian Curl got every little bit of uh, potential out of our our team, uh, and so that was a year that um, you know it was like a dream, really, like getting all the way through to the final and the mm. buzz around that. Yeah, and, and it was just huge, like you said earlier, huge in Brisbane at the time. Were you guys at the at Boondall then, or was it still at Auckland? Yeah, we were at Boondall. I think yeah. I think up until recent years, you know, maybe only a few years ago, the the, the ninety one Bullets team had the biggest average attendance in the history of the league across the course of the season. Yeah, so it was pretty big at that time. I think. I think I've heard, you know, Brian talk on 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 a, on Derek Rucker's podcast uh, uh, about, you know, the number of sponsors that they had. You know, it was in the eighties, right. and uh, they were all pretty significant sponsors. So yep. it was, it was, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, and you know, the hype around it was incredible. I mean, Brian was. Uh, really ahead of his time as a as a coach slash marketer slash promoter. Yeah, and and I, I Curly was actually the first um, podcast interview I did, so uh, he uh, has very fond memories of it as well. But what were some of the things that you know you learnt from him in terms of playing in the league at that level, and also you know like how to play with star players too? I think 
I think looking back on it now, you know, Brian had a remarkable ability to allow players to play their natural game. Yeah. You know, he certainly, you could never um, accuse him of uh, overcoaching. He was, he kept the game very simple and allowed players to play with confidence. I, I will say that, you know, as far as coaches go, he could always get his team or his teams up for a big game. I think his record bear, would bear that out, if, yeah. if particularly a big game after after a loss. You know, I, I, I had spent a lot of years watching Brian Curl coach teams from the time the NBL started and he was coaching St Kilda and obviously I was pretty close and to it and going to all the games from 84 yeah. in, 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 at Auckland and onwards and I think like the ability um, to let players play with confidence and, and, and not overcoach them and he was always very open to you know about bringing other people in to his program and whether that was bringing in other coaches or visiting coaches or or apprentice coaches. He was very open about how he ran his Bullets teams, um, very inclusive in his style. Yep. Um, so there's, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, in comparison to Pop, possibly how the modern coach likes to, you know, circle the wagons a bit more. Mm. Um, His, his, his style was very open and inclusive and wanting to learn more about the game too. Yeah. You know, I can remember in 89, Brian bringing in uh, Dick Modder from the U S I think Dick model was, you know, he'd won a won maybe won a championship in the NBA and, and, and also, um, you know, was the first coach in Dallas, done a lot of things, maybe first coach to win 800 games in the NBA. But bringing in that quality of people at that time says a lot about Brian's ability to network and reach mm. out to the best resources. Yeah, and obviously, um, like you say, had a sustained success you know for a number of years oh without a doubt i mean that's that's the hardest thing as we know to do as a coach is to yeah. be able to sustain the success and and he was able to do that in in you know once the success come in brisbane it was a bit of a uh, you know a fishbowl type of environment for coaching but he was mm. able to handle that across a number of years yeah. In 93, so you were playing with the Gold Coast Rollers that year as well? Yeah, I'd come back to the coast and um, I was sort of struggling. I had had an injury and then the injury in some ways wasn't properly diagnosed, not properly treated. I was at that stage um, pretty concerned that I would be not able to play the following season based on the information I was given. So I had made a decision then that I was going to step away from playing and uh, put a year into focusing on my studies at Griffith University. And from there, pretty well, I I started to fall in love with the idea of 
becoming a sports administrator, sport manager, yep. and um, that's pretty much what I did. I yeah. was I was very fortunate that um, I was able to, within a short period of time, finish my degree, uh, Bachelor of Health Science degree, um, and then pick up a job working at the new Runaway Bay Indoor Sports Centre, which yeah. was brand new. Didn't have any, you know, people in the area to come and play basketball or volleyball or netball, and then I was across the across the launch of of that facility, and then, you know, working to make that facility successful, and the place would, that people would come to in the community. Just looking at your background too, obviously you said uh, you spent a bit of time doing various sports admin stuff, but a um, bit of time with BQ and also you did some work with table tennis and skateboarding too. So a uh, bit of a diverse yeah, range I, of I, things. Yeah, I mean, my I, I, when I sort of talk about my background and what I might specialise in in sport, it's in the sport program development area and the participation space. So over time of, you know, being at BQ and then my time of, you know, setting up the Runaway Bay Basketball Association and then onto the Sports Commission um, with the Active After School Program and then, you know, onto these other sports, I've really been across the participation space and learning how to bring people into sport and promoting sport and, um, you know, developing programs that entice people to take that step into play, whether it's basketball or, you know, skateboard or, or whatever. Um, so that that was really – that has been my, my strong suit of my skill set. Just in terms of, uh, you know, that, that – taking or, or building, you know, that Runaway Bay Basketball Association up from virtually uh, nothing, like into a, a fully-fledged association. And and now I guess it's uh, rebranded as Seahawks Gold Coast Basketball. So, um, I mean, that sort Correct. of thing, you know, like obviously takes a bit of time and, and obviously you've got to get people uh, on side and then talking about, you know, the, the local club uh, scene and that sort of thing. So... I think that would have been like a huge uh, venture, you know, at the time, just starting from a, I guess, more or less a standing start and and getting that up and running. After I finished with with BQ in in, in 2000, I I was um, looking to, you know, get back into the association space um, and then essentially the Runaway Bay... Um, association was was floundering and that was my chance to make my mark in developing something of my own initially because we really didn't have a lot of um, numbers we didn't have a lot of resources so we 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 built that from the ground up and and in some ways it's easier to build something from the ground up than to come in and you know, start working the association where you have to try to change the culture to make it better. Um, so we were able to put our culture in place, and um, we had a lot of success. We had a lot of fun. There was a lot of sleepless nights and heartache. <laughs> but by the time I left in two thousand nine, I'd had a 
a nine-year run yeah. um, where we essentially took it from uh, a very, very sort of you know kitchen table type of setup, and we we're able to be competing very well, you know, at the basketball Queensland level within their competitions. We had representative teams. We were in the SBL. We were doing a lot of things, and we were doing them successfully. But yeah. it was it was more about you know the quality people that we had coming on board and, 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 and getting involved. People like Rick Lawyer and Vicky Sams and Shane Heal all played a significant role in bringing credibility to the association. Mm. And, and yeah, like I said, uh, also having a fair bit of uh, success, you know, as an association in terms of number of teams playing, um, you know, like in being uh, pretty solid financially as well. Well, we were. I think you have to have success. I just don't think that you can uh, float along and ask people to be uh, supportive of your club or your association over a course of time if you're just going to be mediocre. I think you need to be pushing ahead Mm. um, and getting better. And and that requires a plan and people buying in around you. And then... You know, seeing what you do every day and having those um, habits and, and ethics around the club and and doing those things and those tasks every day, well, that the culture develops out of that. And that's certainly what we had at that time. At, yep. at the end of that period, they were humming along. Mm. So now, uh, I guess moving into the to the current space, you, you've got Express Basketball up and running. What are your goals, you know, with that venture? And again, you know, how did it come about? And what, what's your plans there? It comes out of really the work that I've been doing across twenty years in the in the in and around that junior area where you might be at the stadium um, and a parent. Uh, engages with you about uh, individual training or what other training can be offered for their child. Saying that, I'd I'd been working with athletes off and on for the last couple of decades, going back to that uh, Basketball Queensland period Mm. where we were, you know, trying to move some of those players on to um, colleges and so my my involvement's really been around individual coaching and 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 mentoring which is going to be sort of the fun which is going to be the basis for what we're doing ongoing with um, express basketball yeah so what sort Mm. of approach do you think is going to work for you guys in terms of mentoring and goal setting well we're really trying to bring the personal approach back to it. Like yep. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old school in that in that way because that's the way I come up. You know, yeah. the idea that we really want to get back to having conversations with the kids. We're not just having conversations over text and or some other you know form of communication. We, we, myself and Kayla, Kayla Curia, who's teamed up with me. She's a She's a, uh, a great up-and-coming coach here on the Gold Coast. Um, we really want to be working 
with these players on their short, medium and long-term objectives and yeah. developing that rapport so that we can drill down with the player and have that conversation. Um, so, there, so there's a real commitment to, to developing relationships with the players and their parents. Yeah. Um, which which is time intensive, but yeah. I think to get the best result for the player that or the or the student, depending on what you want to call them, that that's that's imperative. And, and do you think most kids are still got a bit of a view that you know to make it in basketball, I need to go go to college and and see what I can do over there? And uh, you know, like, do they uh, place a lot of expectation then on going to a Div One school versus you know other options? Not, you know, maybe not looking at other options in Div 2 yeah. or Div 3 or community colleges or that sort of thing? Oh, without a doubt, Anthony. Like, that's – I think there's a whole um, – a, a large amount of information out there that's that's pretty poor. Yep. And that information gets communicated with, you know, different stakeholders in basketball, um, yep. whether it be the parents, the players, coaches and associations. So that's that that thinking is getting driven now by marketing yeah. by some of different whether they be individual coaches or um, you know fledgling businesses. So in my view, you know, I, I try to keep it real with people, and I, once again, I have been pretty successful working with these players for yep. for, for for a number of years. So. And that's certainly part of why we set up Ex- Express Basketball, so that we can be on the front foot and giving people better information. But to, but to answer your question, um, yeah, we do have we 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 do have players coming to us saying, "Oh, well, I only want to consider um, playing at Division One school," and that's and they've come to that opinion based on misinformation. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. think um, there's like a pressure on those kids to, to really focus in on that or, and not sort of look at other things or other options? I'd, I'd say there is pressure. Like some of them are, 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 are making big commitments with their basketball already mm. and they're making big commitments in playing club and playing rep and playing at school potentially doing extra training with the individual coach or some sort of strength and conditioning style program. So the pressure is there. It's an unrealistic expectation. Mm. Um, You know, they should be keeping their minds open to all opportunities. They should be looking at the right program for them Mm. based on their actual you know, abilities as a basketball player, but also looking at the history of that program and who is the coach and their background yep. at a you know, at, at 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 that school yep. or college. So I, I find that they you know they need to do their own diligence around that. Yeah, and yeah. Do you have I guess you know like relationships with? Uh, coaches over there in terms of uh, who you can get players in front of to, or either, you know, like the, it seems like the, the basketball tours are pretty um, popular as well these days in terms of taking kids over and playing some, you know, 
carnivals and that sort of thing? Well, it's become a business in itself. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, and, and, and when you hear, you know, the type of dollars that it involves and the promotion and marketing around it, you know, once again doing your, your, your diligence to see whether that actually stacks up. I think with any, you know, type of operator or anybody in that type of industry or, or college pathways program, you you need to know what sort of experience they have and what network of contacts they have, yeah, yeah. and what they can feasibly feasibly deliver, yeah. Um, because as we know, it's not always as easy as it seems mm. to 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 get a, a full scholarship for somebody, yeah. Um, at at any level, yeah. I saw a couple of photos of you uh, working out a young fella there. He looks like a, a fairly, fairly tall kid. Um, and, and the thing I really liked when I saw those photos that you guys were out on an outdoor court, and I thought, geez, does that still happen? Uh, kids, kids training outside. <laughs> I like to train their adaptability. Um, I mean, as somebody that played half of their junior basketball on the outdoor court at Southport. I don't necessarily think it it, it, it hurts. I think, um, you know, what is wrong with taking some sessions outside from time to time? Um, yeah, I was working with a young fellow, Ethan Kirkness, um, in the past uh, week or so. He's, he's looking at um, going to a, a university in the Philippines. So oh, nice. he was just getting himself ready. Obviously, big players are at a premium uh, yeah. in, in in the Philippines, um, so he's he's going over there, and I'm looking to make some links with that particular program at the University of, of the Philippines. So hopefully that comes off. It's it's just in the watch this space stage at the moment. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, yeah. how did how did you come across him? Was he a local sort of Gold Coast kid, or he's got? He was. He was. Yeah. He 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 was um, a young fellow a few years ago that was going to my old high school, Southport High School, and I he was actually lived in in literally in in my neighbourhood. So I, I linked up with him and did some work with him three years ago, and then. They went away, did did some other things, and moved to Canberra. But um, yeah, he's just looking to take that next step with his basketball, and and you know that's that's quite a good uh, pathway in with basketball at a reasonable level. Obviously, basketball in the Philippines is a big deal mm. uh, as their national sport. So I've got my fingers crossed on 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 wishing him luck. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a great opportunity for him. So I see you've got some uh, clinics coming up too next week. I've got some clinics, yeah. I've got our, uh, firstly, we've got our um, school holiday clinic. There seems to be a few school holiday clinics around, but this is our first one as as, as Express Parcel. This is our baller clinic, oh, yeah. and that's on at Coomera Rivers uh, State School. I'll be doing that with Kayla. And, um, yeah, we've got a lot of kids coming and we've got a very nice venue there at the school. So we're pretty happy with how that's tracking. And then once school resumes, we do small group coaching as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, depending on the age 
groups and then um, I do, of course, our individual coaching and mentoring. And um, so things are looking good for 2020. We're, uh, we're very happy with the way it's going. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, but if you're looking for any information about Express Basketball, we're on our uh, Express Basketball GC on yep. Facebook and Instagram. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'll, yeah. I'll put those uh, contact details in the like show notes so <laughs> <laughs> and get onto it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and is your sort of reach uh, down there at the Gold Coast, is it primarily still, you know, Runaway Bay or is it sort of anywhere really, isn't it? Because Yeah, really, yeah well, I mean, I, 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 I'm a North Gold Coast person, but, um, you know, we're, I'm available to – to go anywhere for basketball along the Gold Coast and, and further north. So as it's a big area. It's a growing area. Um, mm. We've just done, in, in, in my last go around at, at, at North Gold Coast Seahawks, we um, established uh, a new club at, at, at Pimpermar. All right. So just, just to show, you know, just to as evidence of the growth into that corridor of, of Pimpermar Ormo. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a pretty, pretty significant hub. Yeah. And, and like we said earlier, you've got those uh, awesome facilities there. Is that the Coomera Stadium that's got the eight courts inside? Yeah, Coomera Indoor Sports Centre with the, with, the, with the eight courts and then you've got Carrara um, yeah. with more courts. And mm. so... It's really a matter of, you know, for basketball going forward, because the two associations on the Gold Coast don't have their own venue, you know, they exist as hirers of of those facilities. It's pretty important that basketball continues to put its best foot forward. So Mm. when the time does come, or the opportunity is there for basketball to get its own own piece of land and, and develop its stadium, that they're doing all that they can be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, still in Queensland, there's a few centres that still have their own stadium and, and you go there, you know, through the QBL program or through the junior basketball competitions and, and they're just packed out. So um, it's uh, it's certainly um, a bit of a money drain sometimes, I think, for associations having to hire venues and, um, you know, just, and sometimes access can be a bit of a problem as well. Correct. It's been a big issue. Both those issues are, have been major, I don't want to say problems because that sounds a bit negative, but they're continuing issues going forward, so I'd, I'd suggest, for the both the associations down here. Um, and as they continue to grow, it's going to become more of an issue. Mm. Yeah, that's because right. you're, you're you're literally trying to get court time in front of other hirers or users yeah. and um, there's only so many courts and there's only so much time per week yeah. that yeah. you want those courts for so it's 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 an issue um, for basketball in this region yeah yeah well foxy great to catch up with you big fella like uh, I think certainly encourage anyone you know families or 
parents listening to the podcast to uh, check out what you're doing there. Like not every day you can get uh, access in a, in a one-on-one or a small group sort of way to a former NBL player and someone who's played at a high level for a fairly, fairly long period of times. Certainly encourage people to, to check you out and uh, go and see what Express Basketball is all about and uh, get, on the, get, on the, get on the bandwagon. I really appreciate it, Anthony. I think what you're doing with the podcast is fantastic. It's been a long time coming for us as coaches to have these types of discussions about basketball, um, not just coaching, but other peripheral issues is an important thing um, to let people know, uh, to let them be aware of what goes into um, you know, successful basketball structures and organisations. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. No, no worries. Like I said, it's uh, one of the things I am really enjoying in doing these um, podcasts is just talking to, I guess, a bunch of players that I used to play with and and against, and um, and also, you know, just finding out what they're doing in the sport and then what they're doing today and and what influenced them in their journey to where they're at. And you know, I mean, a lot of people know every everyone sort of seems to know everyone and. And basketball is a bit of a community in Australia, and it, it's good to you know when people can help each other out and and share ideas and and learnings and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, all part of that uh, helping each other out. It's a real Australian thing that we do, but uh, I think it's great, you know, like uh, and having great coaches like yourself come on and, and share what they're doing and and uh, trying to make a difference on the ground. I think that's where it's got to happen. Yes, oh no doubt, and. Um no doubt we'll catch up again soon and thanks for having me and I, 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 I never got to say that as a South Queensland player we never got to beat North Queensland <laughs> at any time I wasn't going to bring that <laughs> up through, but, my yeah. junior, through my junior career we were well and truly um, defeated every time we played against North Queensland um, so I don't forget that <laughs> well, you know, like might have been the water. Maybe it was a little bit better in North Queensland or something. But um, yeah, we had a good run of uh, strong junior teams. And even, you know, I talked to Rod Anderson recently and he's got a, a Queensland North under 18 state team where like the minimum size is about 6'5". So, um, you know, they're still breeding them tall and long up there and um, yeah. a- and plenty of good coaches up there to um, you know, keep them competitive. Well, you had better... better. <laughs> Better breeding, a better stock of person in North Queensland. Leaner, more mean, all of that. So you had an advantage. Um, but all right. The good stuff. All right. Well, thanks okay. again, Foxy. And uh, good luck with Express thanks. Basketball, mate. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Coach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening. 